um, but there was a, <coughs> a jingle that went with this, and I don't know if it's the jingle that wrapped my heart around this, or just my love of ice cream, but the, either way, it doesn't really matter uh, to, to illustrate my point this morning. Um, it's, the jingle went like this, so it said, what do you get with a Klondike bar, you know? Oh, what would you do, right? What would you do with a Klondike bar? Sorry. What would you do for a Klondike bar? All right. Well, it gets me to thinking. Sorry. I obviously wasn't a jingle. Because all I could think of, and the reason I bring this up is because all I could think of when I heard that jingle was, I knew what I was going to get. You know? I knew what I was going to get when I got that Klondike bar on my hands. I was going to get complete satisfaction. Uh, and now, we can argue, you know, people have other ideas, you know, I've, I've, I've heard the ice cream sandwich crew, and, you know, other different people who have different ideas. But to me, uh, the Klondike bar was something that I, I knew what I was going to get, and I had an expectation what I was going to get. And there were times, horrible times in my life, where the package of the Klondike bar would be damaged in some way. And I would get home, and I would open up the Klondike bar, and it would have frostbite. And it would be nasty. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, I ripped off. And I can honestly tell you that I, I literally took it back to the grocery store on several occasions. Now, I'm not going to do that. I wanted the whole thing to just throw it out and what have you, but it was so upsetting to me. And I don't want that to happen to our salvation. I don't want that to happen to us uh, ever. And so, the name of my sermon is simply, what do you get? What do you get? And I want to talk about that this morning, because I think that it's important that you understand vividly this morning, no matter how young or old you are, what you get from God. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 6, you can say amen if you're there. The Word of God says this. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There are uh, always people that ask, what can God do for me? Or what can the church do for me? There are always people who will say, what will I gain if I live the life of a Christian? And while I can mention many things that we gain, that I gain, I'm going to limit myself, as I have in the past, honestly, to three simple things. Because I think that these are the necessities uh, of living a full life, a full Christian life. Uh, three points, three things. 
key thing here. There's other things that can be gotten by Christ or by the Lord, but there are things that can be gotten in other ways. Okay? But these three things, I'm going to contend with you this morning, they only come from Christ. And they only come from serving God. If you don't serve God, you won't have these things. I want to tell you that right now. But this is not simply believing. This is actually serving God. I want to make that distinction very clear. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This is what the Word of God says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The one thing that truly comes only from salvation and being born again and beginning to serve God is a new start. See, I've seen people believe in God, have a miracle at an altar, have a miracle inside of their, you know, a healing, but they don't, it doesn't produce a new start. Because they don't decide to start anew. They go directly back to their past. Or they just decide that that's enough. They feel better now. And they walk away. I hate to admit that, but I've seen it time and time again. But a new start, a new start can only come from Christ. See, I know that we all had or still have many things that we would like to have blotted out of our lives. No matter how good of a person you might have been, none of us can be content with our past. We've all made mistakes, and we've all had sins that we'd like to forget. We all cry out like a poem I read years ago. That was my notes, so I know I read it to you. Old past, let go and drop in the sea till the fathomless waters cover me. You know, part of the mystery of the ocean is that, you know, there's parts we don't even know how deep it is. I mean, we know so much about the world, right? And yet there's parts of the ocean we don't know how deep it is. Isn't that crazy? I like things like that. See, we all have paths that we'd like to erase. But who's going to give us a fresh start? You know, man can't forgive us because it's not only man that we've sinned against. Your mom can't forgive you because it's not only your mom who you sinned against. Your husband or wife can't forgive you because that's not the only one that you sinned against. All of us have areas of our heart that no program or idea can get rid of. After all is said and done, we are still oftentimes full of bitterness and hatred, and so are others. If 
Jesus came to give us any gift, he came to give any of you a gift today, it would be the gift of forgiveness. His message was centered around the love and the grace of God. He spoke of the love of God that was willing to receive all who came to him and who clung to him in repentance. Remember, he said all, not part. He said all who come in repentance. Give them forgiveness, and giving them forgiveness, this is critical, they be able to receive a new start. See, many want the blessing of a new start. You know, you see this on the, you know, you see it all the time, like with, with celebrities or with, uh, if anyone's had a criminal in their family, you'll have a point where they'll just say, you know, I just want a new start. <coughs> but the problem is they're not willing to repent separate themselves from their old life. See, you can't have a new life unless you want to repent of the old life. Unless there is repentance, there is no forgiveness. See, it's great when I see people come into church and they repent and I see God begin to move and give them a whole new life. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Many have been saved and have experienced this new life that I'm talking about. And amen. Amen. Thank you. <coughs> I'm going to make you all sit in one row. Start louder. See, it's what we call being born again. You know, so many people, they, they turn it into just a thing. It's not a thing. It's a new start in life. That's what God gave you, and that's what He gives you the opportunity to have. He'll give you dignity. He'll give you strength. He'll give you power. You know, one of the things I try to share with people, and, and I don't share it to, to build myself up, or even to build up my wife and kids, which i got to admit I still enjoy doing. You know? Not that I enjoy building myself up, but it's fun to build up my wife and kids, you know? My stepdad is 97 years old and, and he saw my kids and he kept on just telling me how my kids are they're different and they're gonna be something else. And he commended all of you because he said, you know, I can tell that they've been around people, special people. And they were walking through that, you know, this is a home with old people that are sick and a crippled in wheelchairs and all kinds of things. And my kids were going, hi. And they just, and we were sitting down because, you know, we were sitting down somewhere and they were just, yeah, we're going to go now. And they would just walk in, you know. And my mother and my wife would be like, we can't have them walking in now with those closing doors, you know. And I said, okay, you know, I'll move around. But they were just saying hi to people. And I bring all of that up because that's a new start for me. That's not who I was. You know, the way that my family views me is, is completely ridiculous and unrealistic, but it's not in light of who Jesus Christ is. 
and what he's done in my life. I mean, they look at us in a way that is unfathomable. And it's amazing what God can do. And so the new start is, is the first thing that God can give you, and only God can give you. Truly a new start. I can honestly say to you that, that for instance, with, with my own family, uh, I have uh, family members that have accomplished amazing things. Okay, so I work for a company, and the company has a, a CEO. This is a billion-dollar company. Brandy can give you the details. I don't really know who you But this is a big, big company. And the CEO of that company, his name is George Oliver, right? I was at a uh, uh, family outing when I went back, and one of my cousins, he knows George Oliver. He just said, hey, so how's George doing? I thought to myself, I have no idea how George is doing. I've never seen him in my entire life, except on little, little emails that I get that are to like five million people. And they're forwarded to me. They're not from George himself. Right? But he's asking me, how's George doing? Yeah. He says to me, oh, yeah, he asked me uh, you know, to come back in. I, I'm not interested in that corporate life. He's, he's two years older than me. He's retired plus. But the Bible says that you will stand before kings, before queens. And you want to know what? When I walked into my family's outing, right, their little get-together, their little uh, Labor Day party, I had this stature, like I was somebody important. Now, there were all these other people that were actually, you know, in the world's eyes, important. But lo and behold, God has made a mark. And I stood there, and I had a new start. I had favor. And I want to tell you something. Any of you can have that. Any of you. And each and every one of you should be calling on God to have that. Not for your own well-being, but because you can spread the gospel that way. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to share something with you. This was sent to me from one of my family members. This is what he said. I just met his daughter for the first time. She's about 15. He's divorced. He's been through a lot of different things. Um, and he's one of my cousins. But he wrote this to me. He said, thank you for your kind words. It was really great to see you guys and meet your beautiful kids. It was a terrific day. I hear many people describing family events as times of turmoil and stress. We are very blessed to have such a loving family member. I've had the idea 
carry the message always. If necessary, use words. In my head for almost three months now. <clears throat> and now I can remember you interacting with your wife, your kids, your brother, your father, and your cousins. And I think of you carrying the message by your actions. See, that's not something I can do. That's something that God can do because he has given me something that only God can give you. And that's a new start in Christian guidance on a daily basis. See, another thing we all need and desire that we need from this life is to get guidance. John chapter 16 verse 12 says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when we, oh, I'm sorry, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. See, God will guide you because our lives, they're full of traps and snares. And even the best of us require guidance. I've had moments in my life where I needed God to guide me. Even recently, I've seen this more and more, such a need for it. See, we make so many mistakes. And so often they're mistakes of ignorance. And it's only the reaping of those mistakes that opens our eyes sometimes. See, I would rather have my eyes open before I had to do something that was going to cause me to reap something horrible. Amen? You know, it would be nice if life was like bottles that we label at the shops. You know, my shop, they have a bunch of rules. I work for a big old corporation. You know, they have a bunch of rules. And, you know, they, they label things like, this is poison, don't drink it, right? And, you know, there's always one knucklehead, you know, in, in the crew, because I'm a sprinkler fitter. We're the knucklehead section of my company. And so there's always one knucklehead who was a sprinkler fitter, you know, and he'd have something horrible in a Gatorade. Something just, just something that no one should ever see in a Gatorade bottle. Because we get things really dirty and we do things that right? <coughs> make things really dirty. But, you know, that's a good depiction of what life is really like. See, life doesn't have bottles that are big. In life, with all its moral puzzles and different roads that we take, the greatest gift you and I can receive would be a friend that would guide us through all the confusion. And that's not only what Jesus is, but that's also what your brothers and sisters in Christ are. And the things you hide from them, the things that hurt you, oftentimes are those simple things that you just don't allow God to guide you through. But one of the gifts is that Jesus is a guide for all of us this morning. 
He will guide you. And he will show you the way. He died so that he could be the forerunner to God. The first to God. The one whose life on earth could be one that we emulate so that we can know how to live our lives. I don't like that whole thing, what would Jesus do? I, I think it's religious mumbo jumbo. But I like the truth of it. Because the truth is that if we were to reflect on Jesus before we did things, we would act differently. And there's a truth to all that. Not to mention, just like a child, when you raise them up in the ways that are right, the more you reflect on Jesus, the more you act like him. The more you just naturally do what's right. And all of a sudden, you have miracles, like a cousin saying that, you know, he can think of the message of Jesus because he can think of me. Because I got a new start one day. I wasn't an early rider. I wasn't someone who got things quickly. Matter of fact, I got all the wrong things quickly. You know, I was the kind of person that noticed all the wrong things real quick. I could pick people apart and destroy their lives very quickly. I could hurt people quickly. And I believe deep in my heart, my cousin, he remembered that pain that was inside me all those years. And that's why the stark contrast of who I have become is a sign to him. See, the reason that Jesus is so great is because he tasted our temptations. But his strength and his experience, it shows us how to learn and handle our own. See, he's given us the law to teach us and guide us. Because there is a warfare with sin. Romans 2.19 says, And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. That is a powerful, powerful idea. Even the blind can be guided by Jesus. He can call on them because his saints are near, because we are near. <clears throat> he can lead them. We can be a light for people. You know, that's what I think of when I read this, this scripture because Jesus built a church and he dwells in that church and we can be a light to the blind person. Even blind people sometimes can see light. I always wonder, how's that blind guy walking around? You know, he's like, well, I'm blind, but I can tell some things. I've talked to a few. I used to have a bunch that came with Dennis. You know, I used to joke with him, you know, me getting you dinner is like the blind eating the blind. But the truth is that we can be alive. See, the image that I wanted to give you this morning is another image that I've given you before because I took this from my notes, so I don't know if I told this already, but 
I think it's important. Have you ever seen those bridges and they only have a small plank to cross over them? You know what I'm talking about? They, they're like in the movies a lot of times, but where I'm from, we have them. They're, they're, they're just like a plank and you have to walk across the plank and they're really, really scary because they don't have anything to hold on to. Sometimes it's a log, right? And then somebody made a bridge out of a log, right? And it's a way to get from one side to the other. And they can be quite scary, especially where I'm from. Uh, sometimes there's deep ravines and, and this log or this bridge will be made. And it's very dangerous to, to walk on it. And my, my daughter, Anna, she's funny because she really likes these kind of things. You know? She sees something like that and she's like, let's do it, right? And uh, she's gaining uh, a real ability to balance herself very well. You know, she can even you know, stand on my knees now without any hands and say, I'm going to fall soon. You know, and she can stand there, I'm going to fall. You know, and she just, she's never satisfied. She just pushes she wants to jump. She wants to be on that plank. And it would be very dangerous to try to walk that small plank without some kind of help. But you know, that's how she's gained the ability to do this because I've often helped her. I've showed her how to get her balance, you know? I've helped her by moving my knees a little bit. You know, she doesn't realize it, but you know, if you move your knees, it's a little trick. It's a circus trick, actually. It's like a circus trick, okay? It's a circus trick. The person on the bottom can help the person on the top hold their balance, right? Because of the, the way that they maneuver and they can sort of a, a symbiotic relationship with each other. So I can feel when she's un, not in balance. And I can, oh, I can adjust to make her in balance. And we learn this together, and this is what the relationship with Jesus is like. See, it'd be very dangerous to just walk that, but it can become real easy to walk a plank if there's something like a handrail, right? See, the way to heaven, we know, is narrow. Narrow. We, we can get in trouble. We, wanna, we want God to broaden the way, but that's not God's way. He doesn't broaden the way. He still makes us walk on the way. He still says, no, no, I'm not going to make the bridge bigger. It's going to be a plank, a narrow plank. And you're going to walk on it. That's where that scripture comes, enter by the narrow gate. God could have made a big gate, right? But he made a narrow gate. See, the path through temptation and trial is straight and narrow for everyone. One of the things that I've been focusing on with Wesley is, I tell him, are you courageous? Are you brave? Because my son will need courage and bravery to get to the other side. And God will not wipe the way for my son. But what he will do is he'll give us a handrail to lead us across. Something that we can hold on to. Something that we don't have to worry about or be afraid of slipping and falling from. What do 
I am the word. And he was referring to the word of God. He wasn't referring to any other word. Some people crack me up when they don't read the Old Testament. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Jesus knew about the New Testament. Yes, he did. He came to write it. But he also said, I am the word. And the word was the word of God that had been given to mankind so many years before. See, the Bible is a handrail. If we hold on to the teachings and the truth of the Bible, we will find our path and it will be made sure for us. This is why New Testament churches that really love God and really love Jesus, they do make tough decisions on issues that have to do with the church and have to do with the holiness of God and have to do with what is right and what is wrong. But I want to tell you something else. Jesus is another handrail. Because God, in his mercy and his grace, he didn't just give us one for our left hand or one for our right hand. He gave us one for both of our hands. To give us assurance. See, because when you got two handrails, you're assured. See, you stand there with assurance. And you know. See, no matter how hard your temptation is, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, no matter how hard the temptation and the trails may get, God can help you face them and get victory over them. There's no danger that you are called to face, no experience you will ever be called to bear that you cannot get victory over if you lay hold of God. Your Father knows and He knows what you need. You need guidance and He's given it to you. That's why you cannot leave without it. The third thing that we all need, and this is something that I'm very passionate about this morning, as I close, the third thing we all need is in the life of a Christian is purpose. A life without purpose is a life without results. And ultimately, it's a life without hope. You know, most people that you see on the street corners, most people that you see at the workplace or even in your schools, they have no purpose in life. They're just trying to survive one more day. A lot of them may be like me. They, they have some talents, maybe some abilities, but they lost their purpose. That's why I was back to so, so many years. I lost my purpose in life. And, then, and ultimately, I had no hope. I want to tell you something from personal experience. Take heed this morning. Because without something to live for, all your talents will dribble through your fingers like sand that's very dry. But you know what? You give a man 
care how handicapped he is with gifts and talents, how poor he is or how rich he is, who has an ideal and a purpose in his heart, and he will do something for the kingdom of God. Men with purpose will reach the world through Jesus. No one has given mankind hope in a dream like Jesus has. And I'm not talking just for another life. I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about for a life here. God has a destiny for all of us that should bring great hope and purpose to our lives. Each and every one of you, I will look in your eyes and I will tell you that God has a great hope for you. There is a great hope in Jesus Christ. And there is a great purpose. John 10.10 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, people think that when they get saved they will have to enter into a life of suffering and persecution until they die and then they'll hopefully enjoy eternity. I'm here to tell you there's persecution for being a Christian. But it's not compared to the leadings of sin. Nothing. The Christian life is the abundant life. It is. It's a life of joy and peace because it's filled with hope and purpose. You know, some of us have had the mentality that we get saved and God will take everything. And it'll keep us from having any fun. I want to tell you something. That is totally the opposite of what God wants to do. God gives us the ability to enjoy life like we never had before. Me and my life, my, my wife and my family, we have suffered. You know, maybe that was a good uh, mess up there, me and my life. Because one of the things that my God did for me was he made my life my life. And that is the greatest gift I've ever had. Because my life being just about me was a curse upon me my whole entire life. It was the worst thing that I ever could possibly have happen to me. Because I didn't deserve that. But the one thing Jesus taught me was that people deserve to be loved. Jesus taught me that people deserve to be forgiven when they repent. When they want it in their heart, they know that they've been wrong and they want to be right with God. Jesus taught me that they can be. That they don't have to earn it. But that he'll give it to them as a free gift, just like I extend my hand to you right now. And that is against our character, isn't it? But when you get filled with God, He gives you eternal life. And He gives you a character that is rich and is full of life. I've had times in my life, I'm not going to go into 
details where people have done me wrong. And I'm always amazed because they come to me and they say, will you forgive me or have you forgiven me? And I already have. <clears throat> and it's the greatest feeling in the world. There's nothing there for me to hate them for. Because I know what it feels like to hate. I know the, the poison pill it is to take it in. And Jesus, my Savior, has taken that from me. It was amazing to me. I was sharing. And I wrote a bunch of things here I'm not going to say. I was sharing with my mother one of my earliest moments of salvation. You know, this guy, just being thankful, and I was amazed as I told this story to my mother, this man, he was a guy, I don't know where he is right now. But I owe so much of my salvation to him. And I remember, you know, he was mentally ill. He came at me in a situation uh, where I had, you know, given my life to Christ. And one of the things he didn't realize was that he had said something in a, in a meeting one day. I hung out with crazy people. And in this meeting one day, he said to me, he said, you know, the reason, the way I got over all my stuff was I, I was thankful. I, I started thanking God for all the things that he had done in my life. And he said, you know, I came with a list. I, I, I ended up having over 170 things that I was thankful for. I was thanking God for the color blue. As I started to think about things, I just was so thankful. It changed me. And I remember thinking inside of myself, I'm not thankful for anything. And inside, this had an impact on my heart. I had just given my life to Jesus a few weeks before, you know, on a street corner. And, and I had back and forth, back and forth so many times. I didn't know what, what was going to happen. And I remember this guy, you know, and flash forward a few months and things got caught up with him again. I don't know if, if you know, if he, you know, had relapsed or if life had just taken its toll or maybe he didn't know Jesus. You know, maybe he was thankful to God, but, you know, God was just some nameless thing to him and he didn't have the right teaching. I don't know what the situation was, but I remember right there in the middle of a, of a, labor room walking up to me and just started to swing at me. And as he came up to me and he started to swing at me, I remember I just, I like turned into like the Matrix guy. And I just moved my head this way and it didn't hurt. And I moved my head this way and it didn't hurt. And I moved my head this way and it didn't hurt. And as he was punching me, I sat there in amazement inside of myself saying, why am I not punching this guy back? Why am I not hurting him? But it was because I had love for him. It was the love of God. And as he, as I recalled the story, I began to weep to my mother. Because God's love is like that. See, when God sees sinners, he weeps for them. 
See, God gave me a purpose. He gave me a different life. I wasn't going to try to just win or try to get by or try to make it to the next day. I was going to try to help sinners. My life was going to be different. And I remember the man, he was punching at me. And I just told him, that's wrong, man. And instantly there, this big man, he was a big guy. He began to weep. And I believe as I tell the story, that is why I always am in a place where I'm willing to weep again. Because God put something inside of my heart for the loss. For a purpose. And he's put that there for you to grab hold of in faith. Don't live by sight. Live by faith. He will love you forever. I want every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. God is a good God. And he loves us here. And he wants you to reach out for salvation and purpose this morning.